0: All right. Well, welcome to our Wednesday night midweek service. Uh, we we've been hitting on humility power. We've been hitting on humility power, and um, and last week we 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 got we got into some pretty good insights on just the value of humility, and so so I. Uh, I was meditating on this this week. Let's go to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to open us up here. Please take out your notebooks and write some things down. Just to give yourself some things to marinate on and to study throughout this week. Search the scriptures to see if it's so. All right, so First Peter 3, verse 4. It reads this. It says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Now, remember, we have talked about those two pillars um, of operating in humility power, and that's uh, hu- uh, humility and meekness, right? One is uh, humility is emptying of self and meekness is not seeking self right and so this says the uh this says an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which look look at this in the sight of god you know highlight underline sight in the sight of god is of great price so operating in this level of humility in the sight of god is of great price. And let's go to James chapter James chapter 4. We'll come back to James a little bit later, but James chapter 4, verse 10. James chapter 4, verse 10. Scripture we talk about a lot here at the church. Humble yourselves, key here, look, it says it again, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up in the sight of the Lord. Um, Remember studying this out before, remain transparent. So here, 1 Peter 3 says that meek and quiet spirit in the sight of God is of great price. And James chapter 4 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Right? Humble yourself and he shall lift you up. So the reason why these two scriptures are so important as we talk about humility because our true test of humility towards our brethren, when we talked about uh, last week how we're, the, the true measure of humility is how we interact with each other. That's the greatest test of it. So our true test of humility is humility towards our brethren in the sight of God. Our true test of humility towards our brethren in the sight of God. That's the true test. Humility towards our brethren in the sight of God. Because sometimes we can posture humility, right? So humility in God's sight, if we have humility in God's sight, then our exchange before men is genuine. Humility in God's sight is genuine before men. Humility. So, if I have humility in God's sight, that same level of humility expressed before those on the the, the outside of the situation, which is our brethren, is going to be genuine. If it's if we got something else going on in our heart, um, it may look a little different. So, if our heart, if in our heart, God doesn't experience humility our outward communication is counterfeit. So if, if, our, if in our heart, God doesn't experience humility, if in our heart, God doesn't experience humility, our outward communication is counterfeit. And so, so, so again, that's why humble yourselves in the sight of God that's why a meek and quiet spirit right in the sight of God is of great price because that heart that you have of humility in that inner man is is the person that's being communicated uh through the outer man in exchange with others right and so so we have to watch harboring maybe something false or something that's Disingenuous on the inside, because that's actually is what's really being communicated on the outside. Even though our, you know, you ever talk to someone and they're they're saying all the right things, but you sense something's missing. You don't know what it is, but it, but but everything that they're saying is it sounds right because some people have learned how to uh, tell you what you want to hear. So you remember how when we were young, some of us when we were young, and. You just told your parents what, you, what they wanted to hear. <laughs> you know what I'm like you, you know, it wasn't genuine. You just told them what they wanted to hear. Uh, <laughs> Would you say? Yeah. yeah, it sounded good to us, right? And then, you know, and and the par- you, when your parents know you, be like, uh, seriously, like, like uh, <laughs> you don't mean that, you know? But you just wanted to get something. Um, if that's not nipped in the bud, or if it's not uh, cultivated, or or checked or or developed at that young age, you just uh, is an older version of the same person. You know, you're still just telling people what they want to hear, you know, not necessarily being genuine in the heart, right? And so, so I, I'm going to repeat this because we talked about this uh, last week. Uh, men have given themselves up for Christ, but not their brethren. They've given themselves up for Christ, but not their brethren, right? And so... It's because it's, think about it, it's if when God is present, it's a lot easier to be uh how could I say, overwhelmed with his presence and operating a level of uh a reverence and for some people might even be extreme fear because it's the Almighty God, right? Uh but when God sends his servants to you, can you maintain that same humility? And and some of us just have this this, you know, even when we were younger, you know, uh, you leave one of the kids in charge, but the other child's not listening to that child because you ain't my mommy or my daddy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they're the delegated authority. So so your expectations for them, for them to have the same reverence that they would have towards you. And same thing, a lot of times people go, well, I don't need to talk to you. I'm going to talk to God. Well, no, you God is sending this representative, and so you have to maintain the same level of humility before them. That's why scripture tells us in Romans, I believe it's Romans 13, it says, uh, you know, God set the rulers in place, so you have to obey them. Uh, Hebrews says, obey them to have rule over you. Salute them to have rule over you. Hebrews uh, 13, I mean, the whole, uh, it's an audible, but let's just look at it real quick. It's not necessarily in my notes, but let's uh, verse Hebrews 13, we'll start verse 7, it says, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow, consider the end of their conversation or their manner of life is what they're saying. And then there's another one in here. 17. It says, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account, uh, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Right? And I think, verse 24. It says, salute all them that have rule over you and all the saints. Uh it says they of uh Italy salute you, right? So here as it as it it navigates through Hebrews 13, it's just saying that this delegated authority has just as much value because they're an extension of God, right? They're an extension of God. So we have to, we don't realize that. That these uh, the people that God is sending towards us could be parents, it could be bosses, could be could be friends, it could be someone that just got into the position before you, or is an opportunity for you to grow in humility, power to grow in humility, power. Let's go over here to Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four. And so, 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 as a practice. We, we, uh, we have to recognize or invite a lot of opportunities for humility. And instead of the natural man or the, the, the uh, we always talk about the natural person, and we say when you cross over to be a spiritual Christian, you crucify the flesh. Well, the flesh avoids humility. Like, like let's, let's be honest here. Like, sometimes we've just blown it. You know, sometimes we've just blown it, and sometimes we're in process. So, wh- how do both of those fit into humility? When you've blown it, you've blown it. Like humility helps you learn from the mistake. Pride helps you to continue down that same road and make it worse and worse and worse. Because which which you know because it's hard. I just use me. Uh, Coming up, it's hard once I've blown it—something I said I would never do, or something I could never see myself doing—and then I do it. My natural man wants to save face, or well, if it really does work out, I didn't blow it. You know, uh, growing up young, the history of relationships—I just—I'd say, you know, I blew it. Like it's—it's not. One's supposed to be in that situation, and then move on. You know as opposed to when I was really, really younger, well, maybe if, 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 I, if I can navigate this differently or do it a different way, then I really didn't blow it. No, yes, I did. Cut my losses, learn from it. You know, and, and, and you know, my wife will tell you she knows my history, but she knows my history even with her. Where, I, where I've had to learn is just cut my losses. Not, not go back and if they hadn't done, I ain't even getting into all that. Just, under, just embrace the humility that we know in part and we're learning as we grow and we're gonna miss it. Learn from those things. And uh, if we could do that, it will be fine. There's just plenty of people you, you try to help. And you can see it on—it's—it's it's screaming out of them. It's don't take a lot of discernment. It's like we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Like something in them says, if I can fix this, then I don't have to accept you, your truth right now. And that's not humble. And and that's how we we uh, find ourselves without hum- power, without uh, fulfillment, because we uh, um, we dance around embracing the truth in humility so let's look at acts four uh well let me see, let me see. i'm gonna see i'm gonna try to do this the best i can well i'm gonna t- i'm gonna give it to you and then um acts 4 17 through 35 so this is a lot of information so 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 i, I don't want to read through all of it um But in 17, it says, uh, but that is spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth no more in his name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. Right. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing that they might punish them, because the people, for all men, glorify God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old, whom the miracle of healing was shown. So remember, they walked by the gate, and the guy was sitting there, and he, you know, and he was asking them for money. They, they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as we have, we'll give to you. And they told him to get up and he was healed so 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 there was already a momentum from from the day of Pentecost. there was already a momentum when they was all baptized with the spirit, and they just you know they just were so filled they were going around uh, imparting the Holy Ghost, preaching Jesus with boldness, because now the Holy Spirit is in them, so he you know he knows he's speaking everybody's language, so people are being converted, converted you know you went from From 120 to 3,000, I mean, like massive people are coming to God and living for God. And so they're in a situation where people are trying to influence them or shift them from just representing God. See, it takes humility to totally represent God because you don't have a crowd of people flowing in agreement with you. You know, you have more people, and then the, the the hierarchy of the Sadducees and all different types of uh religious governments were challenging them. And they was like, Man, listen, we gotta we we, we gotta we gotta answer to God. But it wasn't uh man, you ain't gonna tell us what to do. It wasn't even like that. It was like in, in humility, like, I don't have a choice here. Like we have to answer to God. And so now, they're taking a risk instead of trying to save face in front of everybody, look good in front of everybody, but they, they were released, and they went back and prayed. And when they prayed, um, let's see. Do I want to read the whole? Yeah, I, just, I, gotta, I guess I got to start with 24, huh? Uh, I'll start with 23. It says, and being let go, they went to their own company, Remember, there's a value of being with the brethren. We talked about this last week, right? Went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said unto them, now these are the religious people. And it says, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Remember, we talked about agreement in one accord last week, right? With one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has Said, Why did the heathen rage, and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For over truth against Thy holy Child Jesus, whom Thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, for do whatsoever Thy hand and Thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto Thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken uh, where they were uh, assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And it, it says, in the multitude of them believed, believed, and they were with one heart. So see, this Humility allows us also to connect. That's why it's valuable that we have humility before our brethren, because you have to, you have, we have to get to a place where we understand, like, okay, so, so again, I know I'm the husband, but like I need Melanie, like, like not I need Melanie, as like, okay, I'm already ninety percent. Yo, you can hook me up with your ten. No, like I need Melanie. I need like 90% of Melanie. That I have to have, well, I need 100% of Melanie. You know what I'm saying? But I have to, that has to be my flow. I need 100% of the Baileys. I need 100% of uh, Amelia. I need 100% of Hope. Why? Because I have to realize I only have my part. That's all I have. Humility reminds me that I only have my part. And I'm only going to be powerful when I'm in humility because now, there's nothing disconnecting me from all the other parts that I need. You see what I'm saying? Pride is almost a, uh, uh, destroys the ability for us to conduct power together, to connect. You know, like, you know, you just put a battery inside of a, a, a system, but imagine if you, on the two ends of the battery, you slip some cardboard in there, well, it wouldn't be able to connect. Like, you might start a fire, <laughs> right, but it wouldn't be able to connect, Right, so so we don't understand that pride, self, flesh. See, see, again, I know we spend all our time teaching on the rights and wrongs, and I get all that. And a lot of times, as soon as you talk about holiness or if you talk about sanctification, if you talk about living right, people think it's, see, somebody trying to take something from you. No, people are trying to get something to you because they're trying to let you know if you blind, you can't see it, right? If you're in the flesh you can't connect to it. If you're in pride, you 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 disconnect. If you're in rebellion, you're running from it. So, it's all about getting you in a position where you operate in power and fulfillment. That's what it's about. And it takes humility to do that. Right? And let's let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, it's a familiar chapter, but let's look at it from the aspect of us finally getting in position and in place for God to actually fulfill us. Like even when the scripture talks about, uh, can a man rob God? 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to start with f- verse 4. But can a man rob God? It says, where have you robbed me? Uh, and tithes and offering. And then it says, it says, prove me that I won't pour out a blessing you won't have room enough to receive. See, because even when we give, it connects all of us. It's all, he says that there may be meat in my house. Well, the house is where he provides for everyone, right? And so, he's, so it's all about his family. It's not about taking nothing from you. It's about giving something to you. Now, when they went out to war, do you realize if the priest was not taken care of, then the priests are not in God's face interceding. They lose the battle. It wasn't based on skill, it was based on God. Sometimes they showed up, and the, the the enemy was already taken out. That was prayer, right? And so we have to we have to understand it's, it's a it's a God's system is a benefit. Oh, this is great. you know, so you guys are parents, we're parents, you got some other parents in here. you know, as your children are growing, you ever just like. You're trying to share something because you know it'll help. You know, like, you're like, oh, all you got to do is this. But they, when they cross over to that age where, because remember, like, there's an age where they don't question nothing. It was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, they just running behind you everywhere you go. They're just running behind you. But then they cross over to that age you're like, well, why I got to do it that way? And, and then sometimes it's like because you suggested it, they're not doing it. So it's almost like, well, I didn't think of it first, so I'm not doing it. Because they think it's taken away from the impact because you suggested it. I have to be the one to think of this. Well, well, God deals with this all the time with us. Like, he's like, I'm giving you what you need. But something in our pride, because that's pride too, but pride, cloudedness, we're fighting against the very thing that we need. You know, the scripture says, having fear those where there's no fear. Like, but see, if we can stay in humility, humility is a position of reception. We, we can receive everything we need to walk in into power and, 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 and connect to all the resources. You know, people move in homes, and sometimes the neighbors never know them, ever, <laughs> because they're so isolated, but you don't realize God is orchestrating people, places, and circumstances to, to bring about wonderful things in our lives. But it takes humility to have the conversation. It takes humility to ask for help, right? It takes, it takes humility to listen. It takes a lot of humility to listen. And, 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 but the adversary works so hard. Now, I, I learned this years ago as you shared this with juveniles. When you down, the devil trying to stop you. When you start to rise up, the devil doesn't try to stomp you. He tries to lift you up higher. See, 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 it's, it's subtle. He has two methods. If you down, he's going to try to keep you down. If you up, he's going to try to push you up beyond where you're at because he wants you puffed up. That's his method. So every time we get, gain success, knowledge, wisdom. When you grow in the things of God, you know the difference between not knowing nothing in the Bible and all of a sudden everything just comes to you? So, Paul, unless I should be exalted through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan above me, unless I should be exalted above measure through through the abundance of revelation. He's telling us, Paul's giving us a clue. He said, man, the more I knew, the more I had to, I had to be He had to be given something to stay humble. So we think he wrote the, the Bible that we we're well versed on in the New Testament, and he had to be humbled. He said, "I besought the Lord thrice, Lord, remove this this thorn from me." He said, "He said, my grace is sufficient. In your time of weakness, I'm strong." So he said, "Therefore, I glory in infirmities and in weakness, because when I'm weak." I'm strong. When I'm totally humble, empty of self, I'm at my strongest because it's all Christ and not me. I I know that's the kind of audible dude, but 2 Corinthians, uh, you have to write 2 Corinthians 12, 7-12. Right? So so you think about it, this is for me as I grow, because the Bible, people that are really in the Bible probably see that. The Bible just opens up, man. When you start reading it, it just opens up, so the more I get into it, the more I see. But I have to embrace humility through this process because just because I see it doesn't make me more valuable than anyone. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I, it, it gives me an opportunity to serve everyone. Because I'm telling you, when I start, because I get into this word, I was like, oh wow, ooh, wow, ooh. Like, that's why you know, I can spend hours, it's like, "Oh, ooh. But I have to understand, the o's and o's is to serve, not to, look what I know. <laughs> come on over here. Let me help you. Because, you, you, you know, come on, little, little, little fella. No, that's not what it is. It's service. You understand what I'm saying? And humility will keep us in the right place because it won't, it won't, uh, humility will shield us from getting corrupted through, uh, through you know, because the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Right? That's what just, just the scripture says, right? Knowledge puffs up. And so it helps us to stay humble. So look here in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. It says, charity or love suffers long and is kind. It says, charity, envy if not, charity vaunteth not itself. Does, is not puffed up. See? Love is not puffed up. So love can help us to stay out of this pride, right? It says, it says does not behave itself unseemly. Look, Seeketh not her own. Remember, meekness is not self-seeking. Remember that. It says it's not easily provoked into pride and self. See, oh, see, because when you see provoked, we only think about when somebody provoke provoke you to get mad. Did you know you could be provoked into being in pride or haughty and puffed up? People start giving you accolades, You could be provoked. That's what happened with uh, King Herod. He, he, all he did was speak. He didn't say anything about his speaking. He spoke. The Bible says, let another man praise thee. They praised him. He's like God. He received that as, yeah, I am. That, and the worms ate him up from the inside out. See, so they provoked him to pride because he could have diver, deferred that glory to God. All things you do, you do to the glory of God. So, 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 being provoked is not just uh, being provoked to anger. You could be provoked to uh, pride, right? It says uh, it's not easily provoked. Uh, thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. See, so, so I'm in humility. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm rejoicing that I'm getting the truth. Of course, in love, it says, "Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things." See, see, when I'm in this process of growing in humility, love is helping me to bear, to endure, to suffer long, and to, to have expectations, to endure all things. It says, "Look, charity or love never." And let me just add this piece, not just 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 for an emphasis. Love never fails to keep the flesh buried. Love never fails to keep the flesh buried. You know why? Love doesn't consider self. Love doesn't consider because it says it's not puffed up, right? It's not self seeking. So if I'm operating in love, true love, I'm not considering self. I can stay in humility. See, humility and, and meekness equal love. See, uh, verse 13. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, now abide faith. And, you know, we, we, we talk about, emphasize faith. Hope. There's hope over there, right? Uh, you know, that's 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 an expectancy and charity or love. It says these three. So these three are important, but it says, but the greatest of these is charity or love. The greatest of these is love, right? Because love is going to keep us in humility. That's why the... Uh, the ambitious, the uncommitted freelancers never experience fulfillment. Because people that are overly ambitious or uncommitted or freelancing, it's all about them. So you see, it's, it's about doing things at my convenience. That, you know, if you, have a, if you watch people that, 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 that have their own flow or freelance and go, this is how I roll, try to just catch them, un, uh, interrupt them. Interrupt them, hey, I just need you to do this. If 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 they're prepared to do it, they're fine because it's within their flow. But if you just catch them, you, you ain't catching them at you no know, three o'clock in the morning call. You're gonna see the true person. Right? See, because love is not self-seeking. Love is 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 always trying to meet someone else's demand. And people help you to operate in love and stay in humility. People help you to operate in love. See, Listen, if people, if you didn't have unlovable people in your life, when would you use love? I mean, I mean just think about it for a second. Normally, that's when you need love. Uh, at, my, at, at my son's wedding, when I gave the speech, one of the things I said is I said, my son taught me how to love. And, and because I had never been in a, a living situation where at times choices was made that was against how I would think, but I, but, but God was telling me to, to, you have to love this person. This, this response is in need for love. This choice is in need for love. So I had never had to do that before to that level of extreme. Even as we grew, I fell in love with her from the first day I met her. So, the, the fuel to whatever we was going through was well, I don't know about whatever all this is, but I know I love this girl, so we're gonna have to figure this out. So that's totally different than you have a growing son that you're committed to love, but you don't know what it's gonna take until you to each each stage they grow. You see what I'm saying? So 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 when people are tripping and they're unlovable, I've had people. I I, I remember. I'm going to see if I can say this. I wrote some letters, and somebody said to me, uh, why'd you write the letter? Like, this was done to you, and that was done to you. I said, yeah, because the Lord told me to write it because I'm only responsible for what I did wrong. In response to maybe what they did wrong. Just because they did something wrong, I didn't have to respond that way. So I wrote and apologized for how I handled it. They was like, "What are you kidding? Are you crazy?" I said, "No, it's not about being crazy. I'm responsible for my love walk, independent of how how I'm being treated, right?" And so, so that's that's where we're, we because we, I want to be I want to I want to live a fulfilling life. I mean, I'm I'm living a fulfilling life actually. Um, see, so 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 when people are are just self seeking and operating in pride. And, uh, and not uh, flowing in humility, they work hard at filling self up with more information to puff themselves up. So everything is about gaining information to puff up, not gaining information to benefit others. It's just about, see they're always seeking a status in Christ for self, but not a place in Christ for others. It's always a stat. Every, like, like when people are depressed, they're normally depressed because something's not going their way. That's self. They're not depressed because they haven't had an opportunity to love others at a greater level. You don't see, man, I just, you know, what's going on, man? It's just going through, man. Just not enough people for me to love. Not enough people for, for me to, to, to serve and, you know, to share Christ with, man. It's just frustrating. That's not the case. It's normally something didn't go their way. Right? It's normally something that didn't go their way. And so if we can break that in ourselves, we're going to get more than what we were believing for. And so we got to get past relationships being reduced to people that we can use and cross over to relationships being people that we can serve. And so, so you have the overt people that are game, manipulators or back in the day they called the young ladies gold diggers. So that's overt. But you know, you have subtle people that operate just like these overt people, but they come under the radar. They're quieter, but they're just using people. That's what, if they get upset when something doesn't go their way, or if you don't give them what they want, isn't that selfish? They don't forget about all the things you didn't did up to that point. You didn't do this one thing. Oh no, that's happened to me. Like, you ain't, I didn't do this one thing. I'm like, so really, like, so you just threw away all the other. 708 things because I didn't do this one thing and I remember when it happened I didn't get mad I said oh no I said so cool no problem I said I don't even feel bad because I know I've been there for you I'm so I'm done you figure it out for yourself <laughs> you know you get figured out you, but I ain't get mad I'm not even gonna feel bad and see so what happens when someone's bothered is again they reduce people to, to what, how people can benefit them, not how they can benefit people, right? So uh, that's, di- that's different. Humility is always looking to serve, right? And it, this is what happens even sometimes with churches. People build populated pavilions and not serve God's people on the purpose. So it's all about just these huge pavilions because you know, in, in certain, uh, certain cultures, that status. Like, people don't even know. People don't come up to you and go, so how many lives have changed? How many people got healed? How many people come into the body? They come up to you and go, so, so uh, how many people go to your church? And is that your building? You know, <laughs> and so we've lost sight of service, and now it's all about, you know, uh, wearing style and profile, popularity, and things of that nature. And that's dangerous. That's not. We won't be humility powered. We won't be powerful at all. You know. You know. It, we would just be in this culture of pretense. So let's go to First Corinthians fourteen. You know, because we've been spending time with talking about humility and talking about uh, the how humility and meek, meekness go together, and then we've we said how people have given themselves to Christ, but haven't given themselves to men. And so God's system as, as, as we've been learning is, what is, it, uh, I might have description here. I'm not sure, but, but what is it? When they was talking about the commandments, it was like, ah, so, so master so tell us what's the greatest command, he's greatest commandment. So you got all these different commandments. He says, well, all the commandments hang on, hang on to love God with all your heart and your soul, right? and you might, and love others, <laughs> right? Commandments start off, love God and love others as yourself. See, don't, if all the scriptures, and if you start looking through the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are about loving God, you look through the, 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 the first part of them, and loving others, thou shalt not steal. Who are you, who you stealing from? Besides robbing God. Well, who are you stealing from? Others, Right? Thou shalt not kill. That's others. Thou shalt not covet somebody else's. Bear false witness. It's, it's about others, right? You see what I'm saying? So it's all about God and his people. Uh, 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 if, if you interview Minister Lamar, if, if we've been growing together and, and having exchange, you know, pastor and minister, I tell, uh, even when uh, Minister Sam here, I tell him all the time, I say, man, y'all, if, if, you don't even have to figure me out. It's real simple. Me and my wife, we're about God and God's people. So if you see something sometimes bother me, I'm thinking about the people. Interview Marcus. It's like, ah, you know, we probably won't do that. I was like, no, Marcus, we have to do that because that's going to affect people. We got to, so am I lying, Marcus? You just put your hand up, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, so that's, that's what, because that's what God is about. He's, it's about God. Because we we move God, we can't even do, we can't even love people right and about people. And if our life is about that, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added to you. I know you have needed these things. He said, these are the things the Gentiles seek after, right? After he broke down all the clothing and, and food and riches. Gentiles, if you look in Isaiah 60, the Gentiles was after riches, and they were, they were, uh, they were merchants in, uh, back, back in uh, Isaiah, and they, you know, they were, it was all about uh, going overseas and bringing back treasures and things like that. He said, these are the things the Gentiles seek after. He says, I know you have need of these things that the Gentiles seek after, but first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, which would be his people, and all these things will be added unto you. So he didn't say, I didn't want you to have the things. He says, don't seek the things, seek the king. Right? So, so it's about his people. First Corinthians 14. Uh, we'll look at this from a different angle. This whole passage, this whole chapter actually is highlighting uh, unknown tongues and prophecy, which is the gift of tongues. It's giving a breakdown of, of, of where their value is. But I wanted to, since we were talking about love and this is right after first Corinthians 13, 13, it says now by the faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The continuing, continuing, continuance is first Corinthians 14, one. So then he says, follow after love or charity and desire spiritual gifts. He says, but rather that you may prophesy. So he's saying that, that, that prophecy is important. Now, now the next verse, it says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. So this is right after he says, he says, desire spiritual gift that you may prophesy. OK, so if you go back to 1 Corinthians 13, it's right after 1 Corinthians 12, right? So 1 Corinthians 12, he's breaking down the gifts, and he's breaking down how we flow in the body together. Uh, the hand is, is maybe different from the eye. He breaks down all that. He says, God set the members in the body as it pleased him. He says there are d- different types of gifts, uh, gifts of administration and different gifts. Now, this is after he talked about the nine gifts, which is prophecy, uh, uh, work of the miracles, the gift of faith, uh, uh, tongues and interpretation, discerning of spirits, right? So you know the power gifts, the utterance gifts, right? The miracle gifts, right? So I probably said that wrong. But he broke down those gifts, then he broke down the gifts of helps and administration in First Corinthians 12. I'm, I'm I'm connecting all this for a reason. All that stuff was about the body, and and each gift, you know, was to to, to communicate. Um, the, the word of knowledge and word of miracles, that word of wisdom, telling somebody about the, the what's what's happening in their life and their future to draw them into the presence of God. Prophecy, God speaking to draw them into the presence of God. Working of miracles to draw them into the presence of God. Right, the gift of faith to draw them into the presence of God. Uh, discerning of spirits to 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 discern what to bind and loose, but also to discern uh, how people are operating to draw them in the presence of God. is still about people. Everything is about people, right? Then he goes on, gifts of administration is about people. Helps is about people. All this is 1 Corinthians 12. Then he goes into on 1 Corinthians 13 and says, man, listen, all the gifts and speaking in tongues, because they speak. He says, I, I'd rather speak with five words of English than to speak in tongues. But he was explaining, I do I do speak, but, that, that's not more valuable than people understanding me. That, that was his whole point. He wasn't saying don't use speaking in unknown tongue because it's a benefit to speaking in tongue, which when you cross over to First Corinthians 14, now he's breaking down the value here. And he says, "For he verse 2, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. So a person that's speaking in their own, their own tongue, their own spiritual language, they're speaking directly to God. It's not for nobody else. It says, "But he that prophesied now prophesied." If you break that down, that's the gift of tongues. If you if you look at tongues, um, and interpretation, to get those are the prophecy gifts. Those are you know those are the prophecy gifts. So. But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, right, and exhortation and comfort. So what he was saying is that, I'm sorry, I read verse 4. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. So what he was saying is the initial infilling and you speaking in tongues, that's that's good. But I want you to go deeper in your relationship with God, where God can use your vessel to prophesy. Remember Saul, he was uh, with the prophets, he was changed into another man to say he was prophesying with the prophets. Well, when you go deeper and God uses you to prophesy, to speak, when he's speaking through you, that affects people. It's about people. It says it edifies the church. We're running people away from church from, from speaking in tongues. Right? But he's saying that edifies the church. Because God is speaking through that vessel. It ain't dumb. Right now, the spirit uh, uh, as I speak, so if I speak in an unknown tongue because I want to pray to God in in a, a spiritual language, I'm speaking. Gift of prophecy, God, the Holy Spirit, as the spirit wills, is speaking. So that's, you know how That changes people's lives because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what's going on. You see what I'm saying? That's power operating there. Lives are changed when that happens. We've been in situations, some of you guys have been in situations because you've said some things. Man, it changes somebody's life. And when it happens, what happens when when God uses you to say something and it happens? What do people say? That's God. That's God. What comes out of their mouth? That's God, and so now people are benefiting because they see God. That's what humility does for us. See, I must decrease and he must increase, John 3.30. So the more I get out the way, the more God shows up. That impacts lives. When people are experiencing God, they do the same thing that that young lady did at the well. She ran into the town to tell people about him. And when we when we get out the way and God uses us, people run all over and say, listen, I was talking to, I was just talking to, I was talking to Ms. Lamar the other day. Listen, it wasn't him talking. Remember when uh Benny Hinn's his dad came to the service, like, that wasn't my Benny. Benny Hinn didn't have a track. He didn't sit his dad, I and mean, his dad wasn't even talking for two years. He didn't sit his dad down and go, listen, man, you need this you need to just give your life to the Lord. I don't know what you're doing. The the religion you're following ain't the right thing. You trip. He ain't had to do none of that. All he had to do was press into God where God used him, healed him from stuttering. His dad shows up, sees him. When he gets home, his dad dropped to his knees. Benny didn't say, well, if you really want God, drop to your knees. He dropped to his knees and said, that wasn't my Benny. I want the God that you have or the level of love that Smith Wigglesworth's wife was operating in when he locked out the house this humility that it takes for somebody to treat you wrong lock you out of your house in the cold of night you sleep on the on the ground on the porch in a blanket when, when they open the door you go in and say what do you want to eat see that's That's an extreme level of love, but but what does it look like? A great level of humility, doesn't it? How many people could even do that? But guess what what it did? It changed her husband's life, but guess what else it did? It changed the world. Smith Wigglesworth changed the world. He's a catalyst for... All these great men of God, even uh, Kenneth Hagin who impacted uh, various men of God who impacted my life. Right? So, all because somebody from, from overseas, wife, operated love and humility. What great man or woman of God is around you that's just waiting for love undeserved? Waiting for humility undeserved. So we're not, see, see, that's what I'm saying. We're not thinking about changing lives. We're thinking about how our life is affected. See, his wife could have said, oh, he, he got me twisted. Everybody else could have said, you ain't going back to that house, are you? Man, forget him. He ain't coming to church anyway. If they, if they went by, dro- walked by that day, drove by, and saw us sitting on the porch, you, you, you're definitely an idiot, aren't you? Girl, girl, get on up. Come on, come on. You've been through enough, right? But that love and humility went to, took it to a whole nother level, right? And so our paths to promotion and power has to travel through, a lot of times, wilderness. That's why. Because, one, the wilderness humbles you, right? Humbles you on the face of God. It proves you, right? Proves you in the face of man, right? It measures your obedience to God within the temptations of man. Remember to humble you to prove you so you know what's in your heart whether you keep his commandments or not. So the wilderness humbles us in the face of God and man. Everything about this is about what? God and man, right? God and his people, right? Number two, it proves you in the face of man. Because when delegated authorities, people are coming into your lives are dispatched for you to operate in humility so you get power, are you humble or are you prideful? And it measures your obedience to God within the temptations of man. See, because whether you keep my commandments or not. See, because when you're tempted, you know. So coming up, you know, you first start living for God, and you go around people, and they, you know, they, they they're not feeling the whole God thing, but you know it because you used to be one, you used to be with them, and so when you get around them, they start talking, and they're not necessarily talking against you. They're operating in in normal, but you don't live that way no more. So now you have an opportunity to be obedient, to be humble, or you got to, (laughs) yeah, you know, you laughing with them, playing with them, but you don't even think like that. You fronting because you don't want to be humble. Oh, man, I I just don't roll like that. And I'm going to tell you, it's hard. I had to go through it. It's hard. Oh, you just said, forget us. And I was like, man, So, so I didn't go, man. I said, listen, I cut out some things you guys are still doing them. And what I said was, I can't even handle that no more. But that was the truth. I couldn't. And then after a while, you know, after a while they kept saying it. I was like, you said, forget us. I said, yeah, that's what I said. If that's what you want to think, but, but, but those people end up giving their life to God. Because I wasn't moving. I played ball for this team and it'd be over. it was like, uh, you know, they was getting high. I was like, I don't get high no more. You have to be, I don't drink no more. In that culture, that, that's not cool, but I had to do it. I moved to Ohio, same thing. I played for a team. I just met these guys. We we you know we, uh, we kept winning, and they would, at the end of the games, they would drink. I would leave. I was like, man, I don't drink. I, I just can't be around that. We we, uh, we won the championship, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to get in my car, and they said, just keep coming hang with us. I said, man, I don't drink. They said, man, we got water for you. <laughs> like, we got water for you, just 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 to get me around them. But they knew what I represented, you know. After a while, priests don't do that, or he don't roll like that. And it was humbling. I'm saying, I'm not I'm not saying it like I was sweet. It was humbling because I know that wasn't cool. Like I'm talking about God, and I'm I'm just being real. This is the basketball community. Basketball is about edge and 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 toughness and. And so when, when, when I first started living for, for Christ, I was like, these guys are going to think I'm weak. So I, I, for years, I tried to be my bet, the best basketball player to represent God so people could know you could live for God and you're not going to lose, you know, what you think you need to, to, to win in basketball. Because that's, that's what people were thinking, like, man, I can't live for God. I'm not going to be the ball now. Because I'm, a, I'm need. That's why I'm, I'm had to be transparent. That's why you see all these guys with with uh, a, a thousand tattoos, uh, hair nappy stuff like that. Because somebody told them that they have to look edgy. Because they have to look intimidating. But you know what? That, that's called fear. I want to intimidate you so you don't attack me. So they try to have a a presentation, a front of I'm hard. When I go out there, I laugh, I smile, I'm, I'm laughing, I, I talk about the Lord, I can, I'm still balling. You see what I'm saying? I don't need to. Now, one time I did have a stone game face because that's what I was taught coming up in Newark. I had to learn that because I was getting punked when I first started playing basketball. So, it's just, so what I'm saying is humility is a, is a wonderful thing, but we have to get through the test, that, that wilderness test, to really walk in humility like God wants us to, Right? And so, so is a reason why he's called son of God and son of man. See, he he he. Uh, the scripture says he waxed strong in wisdom and favor with God and man. Was is that Luke two? You know, after he uh, uh remember the, uh, they they found him in the temple. <laughs> you know, uh, they, they you know they kind of kept moving and he was still in the temple when he started uh, talking to him. It says he was obedient. Oh, this is great. Oh, let's go to Luke two. Let me see. Uh, somewhere around Luke 2. I know it is. At the end there, I'm I'm looking at it, I'm visualizing it. That's why we gotta read the scriptures because you can visualize it. All right, so I know at the bottom it says, and the child grew and waxed strong in uh, verse eighty. Um no, Luke one verse eighty is right before <laughs> uh, chapter two. Uh it says, uh, it says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts until the day of his showing in Israel, right? And and so there, there's, a, there's a process through here where he got uh, lost in the temple. So he was talking in the temple, and then his parents came and said, man, what are you doing? He says, don't you know I'm about my father's business? Right after this, the scripture says, from that point on, he was obedient unto them. You're talking about he already operating in wisdom and knowledge. He's breaking it down to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, all the people in the temple. He's breaking it down. He just, but instead of him like, why well, I got to listen to y'all? I got more wisdom than anybody here. It said he was obedient to his parents from that point on. See, because obedience draws authority, but it also draws power. But to operate in full obedience, you have to operate in full humility. Here, this is, you're talking about the Messiah here. The, the, recognizing what's on him by what he communicated there in the temple with those that have been trained for years, but still uh, operating a level of humility and service. So, so we, we want to, I'm going to end with this, we want to avoid this pride thing. Um, arrogance, you know, pride is arrogance, is vanity. Actually, it's the loss of humility. Pride is the loss of humility, only seeking self, not seeking God. All right, it was James 4, 6. i give you this because I told you we would go back to James. James, it's right before the scripture that Trina mentioned when she was teaching, verse 7. 4, 6, it says, uh, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So are we trying to repel God? Because that's what pride does. And, 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 and so we, we know the overt pride, but, but, the, but the subtle pride where we don't want to do nothing because we think we're going to be embarrassed, or we're not comfortable with that, or if that's outside of our, our convenience, that's, that's pride there. And, and so we're losing power when we operate in pride. you know, pride is amazing because pride shows up as a measure of where you are in humility. It shows up as a measure of where you are in humility. Pride asks this question. Are you covered, submerged in God, or are you providing your own cover? See, when you're in pride, you're providing your own cover. And we're not designed to cover ourselves. We're supposed to be submerged in God. See, covering ourselves in defensiveness is a lot of times how we operate it versus being clothed with humility. That's what 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 5 says, right? Be clothed with humility, not covered in defensiveness. I was talking to my brother, uh, this might have been yesterday or the day before yesterday. We had a pretty good conversation, so I told him I'd give him props. Irv Bradley Jr., Junie to us. But, uh, so we were talking, and I was talking about the, uh, remember the example of the, uh, the, the quicksand, how the person's in quicksand, and you're trying to, you got, a, you got a few minutes to help them to get out of the quicksand, but they want to give you, a, uh, 30 minutes to save face up. Well, you know, I know I got in this quicksand, but you're going to understand why I'm in the quicksand. And this, no, no, let me explain. Let me explain. See, nobody's listening to me. Well, this ain't the situation where people need to listen to you. You, We got to get you out of the quicksand. When you get out, you can tell all the stories you want. But but, you're not in the position to be talking. You you have to be receiving. And so my brother said, he said, man, that's a good example, but I got an even better one. He says, It's been happening for years when people are drowning. He said the the person that fights dies. The person that doesn't fight is the one that survives. Because people, you know, they're panicked, right? So you're trying to help them, and they're fighting you. (laughs) That person drowns. The person that receives the help is the person that survives. Right? I didn't make that one up. I got that from my brother. (laughs) Right? And I thought it was powerful. I said, you know, that's, that's, I said, that's sweet. And then you think about it, it's similar to a lot of times we're drowning in life. A lot of us are drowning in life. People are coming to help us. If you're fighting against a person coming to help you, you're going to keep drowning. You actually have to receive the help to survive. When you get out the water, man, you can explain, well, the reason why I got in this situation is because you can explain But But why are you drowning at the time? for an explanation or an excuse or a justification or you don't understand. Whether I understand or not is not important. We need to get you out of this water, right? And that's the same thing in life, right? So we must ask ourselves um, another question. Have we been tempted to be all that God may be nothing? Or have we been tempted to be all that God might be nothing? Have we been tempted to be all? that God might be nothing. So so you have places in life where God assists you and you get stronger, you get better, you get wiser, uh, you get more accomplished, you get more accolades, but that's to defer to God, not for you to soak up for yourself. And so sometimes we we cross over to a place, we go, I got it from here. So we almost live a life where we're trying to figure out how to be independent of God. Because something in our our natural man says I have to be independent in self, not in God. And that's what's dangerous in our lives. I know it was dangerous in my life for a long time because I was just figuring out like just how to do it without needing God. It's impossible. Apart from him you can do nothing, 1 John, I mean, not 1 John, but John 15, 5, right? It says, apart from Christ you can do nothing. He's he's, he's divine with the branches, right? So the interesting thing is we're sometimes tempted to try to be all that God might be nothing, but Jesus was nothing that God could be all. We're talking Christ here. I must decrease so he can increase. And so just challenge ourselves to this last little piece of of pride because one of the symptoms of pride is presumption or overconfidence. One of the symptoms of pride is presumption or overconfidence. You know, that's that's almost like the step that gets us in under pride's radar or striking distance to pride is overconfidence. Um, but I, I call, I have another definition for overconfidence. I call it a, a falling confidence, a falling confidence, or a type of confidence that initiates your fall. It's the type of confidence that initiates your fall, right? We know uh, Proverbs 16, 18, pride comes before what? Right, right. And, you know, uh, another version says before fall. Right? And then that's why Paul says Psalm 1913. Psalm 1913. He said, keep me away from presumptuous sins. I mean, not Paul, David. I'm sorry, David. Uh, Keep me away from presumptuous sins. Keep me away from getting overconfident. You know, confident in myself. Because we know that's pride. You know, when we teach on spiritual authority, of course, it's, it's... It'll be a constant, uh, revisited teaching here at this ministry because it's, so, it's so, so important for us to operate. One of the things I learned in the book by Watchman nee is, you know, there's no competency in ourselves. See, the pride tells us that we thought of that. So, so you ever, you, know, you ever, uh, um, I, I'm a parent, so, you know, of course, I've experienced this and some other people have experienced this. But you have be in a situation where you have a child, who's almost saying, um, nah, you know, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing me. I'm doing what I want to do, but they're living in your house. And so so it's not it's not a bad thing that they're living in your house. It's a bad thing that they're operating. They're, they're communicating as if they're independent, but they're dependent. You see what I'm saying? So, And it's the same thing we do with God. We communicate as if we're independent and we're dependents. Like, Let's say you, you, you have all, all, even the people that think they come up with these elaborate uh, uh, business ideas or whatever and they go, what do I need God for? How did you even, who designed you? Who fearfully and wonderfully made you? So you came up with this on your own, you think. No, it was God. We, we're owed we're to God. There's no competency in ourselves. The it's borrowed equipment. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We didn't make ourselves, right? So, so our only posture uh, to be at optimal optimal power is humility, because anytime we start to uh, uh, what we call independent, we're 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 disconnecting ourselves from the source that made us that even gave us the intellect to even think that we could do it on our own. Right, so so humility just keeps us in 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 power position, right? I just want to read this scripture, and then we're now. Then I have one statement, and we're done. All right, it says Second uh, Second Peter two verse ten. Second Peter two verse ten. It says, uh, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. You know, is rebellious. It says, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of, digni- of, di- of dignities. It says, it says, presumptuous or overconfident, or as I say, falling confident are they. They actually rise up and challenge what they need to become what they're supposed to become so 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 you 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 know you have people that live in questioning instead of asking questions to discover because because you know some people have very unique minds they they do have sharp minds but it's dangerous when they're confident in their intellect You know, where every statement is, I know what that is, or they go to absolutes all the time. Assuming that there's no blind spots in their life and they know all things. There's always something we can't see. That's why the Bible says God has taken the foolish things of the the world to confound the wise. He didn't say to confound everybody. It confuses the wise because it doesn't make logical sense. All their intellect and how they process, this is not supposed to happen this way. Like, uh, that tower that's leaning in, um, where's it leaning at? Italy. You know, they said that thing should have fell a long time ago. Like, it doesn't even, you know, if if you go with scientists and you go with, you know, architecture and math and all the sciences, it should have been fell. And a couple times they tried to do some things to fix it, and it made it worse. It should have fell even quicker. So it doesn't line up. Uh, what's what's, what's the the thing about the bumblebee? The bumblebee is not really supposed to be flying, right? Because everything in the bumblebee is against the aerodynamics, but bumblebees fly. (laughs) So so wrap that around our intellect. Explain it. You can't. You see what I'm saying? So so we have to position ourselves, and God is trying to challenge us to position us to get full power because he's trying to get us somewhere and the only thing that's been in the way of what he's trying to get us to is, is us. Right? So that's all for today. wasn't going to get into brokenness, but maybe if if the Lord wants to teach this, next Wednesday we'll get into brokenness.